Welcome to episode 42 of the Needle Movement Podcast. Today, our special guest is PJ Tay, the founder of Uscreen, a company that specializes in helping creators monetize their video channels. And we're just seeing a whole new industry crop up now around influencers and video. Remember a few years ago, YouTube was mostly that conversation about online video. That has all just shifted rapidly because many brands now are working harder to monetize large social media audiences. You know, if you have tens of thousands of subscribers on YouTube or Instagram, you got to figure out how to generate revenue from all those views, right? Also, we're seeing brands diversify where they're promoting their expertise as well as the physical products they sell. And that's where they're using video to promote expertise through courses, channels, and online workshops. Can't wait to dive into all this. I'm your host, Stephen Carl, talking to you straight from Brooklyn, New York. Now let's get on with the show. Let's get ready to talk about the creator economy and how online creators and influencers are selling online in different ways, including and outside of pure e-commerce. So I'm excited to bring on our next guest, PJ Tai. PJ is the founder of Uscreen, a video monetization platform helping over 10,000 brands, businesses, and individuals to sell videos online. And I also know firsthand that he's a savvy marketer because for this podcast, PJ sent me a short video just to say hello, show his face, and explain why he wanted to be on the show. And it worked. Welcome to the show, PJ. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Tell us about yourself and tell us about the creators for that platform. Yeah, Uscreen. So the platform ultimately is a video monetization platform. It helps you sell videos online. So we have health and wellness customers. We have entertainment, movies, films, documentaries, as well as a lot of e-learning. So all types of content. Uscreen is sell videos online. It's kind of like building your own Netflix. So you're giving people, right, instead of having to get a show, you just create your own. That's correct. Yeah, you basically create your own streaming channel. So anyone can come subscribe and gain access to that content and all types of verticals use it. So what problem were you trying to solve in creating Uscreen? So ultimately, there is so much free content out there and there's a lot of ways that everyone's looking to make money online, especially with some type of skill or even entertainment workouts. There wasn't a lot of good services six, seven years ago when I first started this company. And my previous company, a web hosting company, I would help companies sell physical goods online. So that got, a lot of them were selling DVDs and they didn't have a really good way to stream DVDs. And that's where I started to find opportunities for a better way to do on demand. We also have live streaming now, but it really started as on demand. Gotcha. So your top niches are, we were talking through it, health and wellness. Like what type of e-learning? What would people set up Uscreen to teach people on the platform? Yeah, definitely. As far as teaching goes, I would say a lot. A really popular customer is Magic Stream. So it's the Netflix of magic. English training, Spanish training, languages. We have music, DJs that teach you audio mixing. A lot of educational content is around academies and online schools. So everything from like medicine to medical traits, dentistry, as well as some even internal employee training. 
So all types of e-learning really matches up with Uscreen. Yeah, I noticed also maybe a couple of years ago, I was looking at a lot of YouTube channels and one that I started to follow a little bit was Sean Cannell's. Yeah, I know Sean Cannell. We've done some collaboration. I saw that. I saw that. I saw that. It seems like the way YouTube is now evolving into TikTok, you're in the middle of this. And that's what's exciting because I know enough just to get me in trouble on it. But with YouTubers, it seems like there was so much money or originally the dream was just to get enough money from YouTube from the streams themselves. But for a few years now, it seems like there's a little war between the creator and the platform just to make money from all the work that you're doing to post all these videos. So I guess that's a good segue. Um, how does YouTube co-mingle with Uscreen? Do your subscribers, do the creators, you know, who sign up for Uscreen and create the courses, do they typically have a YouTube channel as well? Yeah, good question. About 40, 50% of our customers do have a YouTube channel. YouTube's great for top of the funnel. So it creates awareness and it will bring in traffic to ultimately the course site on Uscreen, the membership site on Uscreen. Yes, a lot of our content creators have YouTube, almost 50%. Actually, when I say 50%, it's 50% have a channel with subscribers. That's what we found out, 40 to 50% have a channel. I'm sure another majority of another 20% or so has a YouTube presence. Yes, YouTube and Uscreen are friends. YouTube is known and will always be a free content resource. Even though there's channel subscriptions and stuff, they take 30%, it doesn't organize content well. And now there's YouTube Shorts, which competes with TikTok because YouTube's really, really aware of what's happening with TikTok. And it's scary for them, right? So YouTube will always be a free resource. And a lot of those creators want to directly own their customers, know who they are, know who their emails are, be able to sell to them over and over again. The subscription box on YouTube is just a vanity number. You have 10,000 subscribers. Okay, what's their email? You don't know. It's just a number. You have no idea who they are. You can't sell anything to them. You can't contact them. Yes, it's a following. You eventually need to monetize that following. That's where most of our customers make money. I have Sarah Beth Yoga is a really good example. She's a very popular YouTuber, Sarah Beth Yoga. You can look her up. She has a million subscribers now. When she started, she had about 400, 500,000 subscribers on YouTube. She has a million now. And she'll tell you her bread and butter and income, the way she makes her living and makes it really well is on Uscreen, is her membership site. She gets that YouTube community to then subscribe and pay for that content. This reminds me a little bit of TikTok and the war with the US government on it, where you had all these TikTokers that were totally killing it there, but then they're like, holy shit, I might lose this tomorrow because TikTok's gonna get banned. So now I gotta go to another platform or I, to your point, need to get people's information so that, that it counts for something because you can't control the platform. Yeah, that's interesting with the YouTube subscribe button because I've seen that as sort of like a, because you'd think that's a goal. Like if you could get someone to subscribe to your YouTube page, you got them. But is that organic reach limited when someone subscribes to a YouTube page? Because I know in e-commerce world, like Facebook and Instagram, all the social platforms are doing this, how when they start out, everybody gets great organic reach. But as the platform matures, they need to monetize it less and less is going. So with Facebook, it's now less than 5% of people that are subscribers to your list are there. But how is it with YouTube and subscribers? I'm curious. 
Well, YouTube's the second largest search engine, so there's still a lot of potential. There's riches in the niches on YouTube. If you have a niche, you can create a following, and that's great. Nothing wrong with that. You create the following there, you monetize it externally. Of course, you can get that ad revenue and stuff, but what you do is you make really the business outside, whether it's affiliates or membership site, whatever that may be. So that's really where the opportunity is in this case. And a lot of opportunity with YouTube still. Like for us, we've always done really good content marketing at Uscreen at this company and the previous company I had WebNet hosting. So people find us via search, right? The majority. If you look at YouTube, it's the same. You wanna show up on search, people search a lot there. And when we do the same keyword research for the videos, there's a lot of opportunity. It's a lot harder to create a video than write a web page. But now, especially with the pandemic and technology moving forward, it's gonna get easier and easier to create videos. People buy more equipment, like me, and it's gonna get more adopted. So eventually, yes, YouTube's gonna become more and more saturated, but I think we've got a few years easily, maybe longer. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I once heard about YouTube that if you found someone that watched a 30 second video of your company on YouTube, that is marketing gold because if someone's gonna sit on YouTube and listen, they're very interested in your product. So you should go and get them because that is the leading indicator of a future purchase. So you are definitely, since you are in this video world, I'm excited to ask you this about just how people can do video marketing better. What are a couple of strategies that you see with video that just like your pitch for this podcast, where you use video just to stand out from a lot of other people, but how can brands and creators use video marketing to grow their business to get the own media specific to those goals? One of the ways to look at video is it's very engaging and YouTube does a good job ranking it. So creating any type of video for your product or your service or your skill is a good thing on YouTube that will get people to find you and know who you are. So that's really important. Product videos, right? If you already have a website and you're getting traffic, that's a really good thing. Any type of educational content and course that you can create, trailers. So video marketing, ultimately your goal is to talk about your service, talk about you, talk about the product that you're selling. And another thing is to create, if you have a story to tell, you're doing something interesting, a vlog, that also, there's a lot of opportunity there as well with getting in front of your audience, especially with vlogs and stuff on YouTube. Those also do well. So a lot of opportunity with basically getting video out there and getting people to find you and you wanna leverage YouTube as the platform to do that for you and then monetize externally after that. Got it. How about length? I think with YouTube, it seems there's a longer length that's desirable, but for marketing, People have such short attention spans and even with TikTok as well. With YouTube, they like the watch time. So that's why there's a watch time recommendation of seven to 10 minutes. But YouTube shorts now, if it adds value, does pretty well. So lengthwise, yes. If you want to become a YouTube creator and gain traction on your videos, you want to have a certain watch time that's recommended seven to 10 minutes, eight to 10 minutes with value. And YouTube will care about the retention rate. So yes, length matters for YouTube. How do people use video on sales pages, like landing pages? Are you seeing a lot of activity there where people create a video just to speak directly to the person that is considering? Yeah, absolutely. 
as far as video marketing goes, if you can get traffic to a landing page, video marketing, absolutely. A video on a landing page does extremely well. Very recommended. So that's definitely a way to talk about your service. We have all types of videos for our features. They don't live on YouTube, they live on our website. So that's definitely a way to tell the story. Video tells a story. Gotcha. All right, so let's go into e-commerce stores. We've been noticing now is people find so many different ways to buy online. So if someone is into fitness, maybe they're gonna buy, they're gonna buy the best running shoes and then they're gonna buy a fitness course. It's like almost a media plan. There's a set of actions and people don't just do one thing. It's not like when you, if you set out to lose weight that you would only go on a diet. People have goals and they have a real plan on it. So it's interesting to see how people spend money online in so many different ways. It's not just the idea that a physical product is gonna get everything or even a course. So I'm interested in the fusion of it. So what advice, let's just say it's an apparel brand or it's a beauty brand that sells online about how they can make use of something like Uscreen. Yeah, absolutely, that's a good point. We get a good amount of our customers actually that sell physical goods, right? Because we have a lot of health and wellness. They sell yoga mats, water bottles, bicycles, bicycle trainers, those different things. So what happens in our case with a lot of our customers, they'll link the two together does really well. They, you have your digital commerce and then your e-commerce, but selling physical goods. So that definitely we see as well. And they link and live together really well because you can easily integrate Shopify into the setup. So that's the most common use case that we see. And a lot of these different e-commerce companies that are selling physical goods might have a training for that equipment or some type of course to go along with their physical goods. So sometimes it's a match as far as the same company offering a digital piece of content as well. Okay, so let's walk through the yoga mat situation. Like someone is doing a yoga course and they have a few related products that they're merchandising. And you mentioned Shopify that there's an easy link to link up your Shopify store. Are there things that you see that they're doing in terms of like, I don't know, they're highlighting in the video. How are they making that physical product part of the experience so they have multiple revenue streams? Yeah, good point. As far as how they make it experience, a lot of ways. For example, if they're purchasing on Shopify, selling a physical good, they can then easily link to the training online with video on your screen or vice versa. They have links to the actual content or the actual physical good and vice versa because you can integrate the sites. So that's pretty common to integrate the two together. That definitely happens quite a bit where we see a collaboration of content linking together with different services. Gotcha. Yeah, and because the integration is right there, this is like Shopify is the biggest platform for the rest of us. Their slogan is arm the rebels. So it's for a lot of different sizes, but it accommodates people. Let's take out our crystal ball now. And we're hearing a lot about the creator economy, the passion economy, like in today's headlines, when we're recording this, the GameStop stock purchase was mentioned. It goes along this creator economy theme because it's a the creator economy. People are like, I get millions of views. Where's my money? And I think the GameStop thing is a response from institutional money versus 
retail investors, or that's one of the themes that even generationally, like there is some angst between that. So regarding the creator economy, where do you see it going? You have 10,000 brands on your site. You're seeing these creators day in, day out. Where do you see it like two years from now? What changes are you expecting or how it's going to be different? Okay, a few things. First, I think it's definitely growing. I would almost say the beginning, right? Or late beginning. So you got beginning, very early adopters, late beginning. Then you got, what is the next phase? I think it's growth maybe. And then it starts to kind of flatline. I would say we are at the beginning. What happened with the pandemic is it accelerated content consumption online. People are forced to sit at home, do their workouts at home, live concerts at home. So it really accelerated the adoption of technology and forced a lot of us to be at home watching that content. It was going to happen anyway, but it accelerated it. So I would say the creator economy, yes, you've seen a lot of these creators on YouTube and all these, but there's so many more coming. We are at the beginning. The digital age and technology is not very old, right? It's two decades old, if that, the internet. I mean, it's longer, but really where it started to adopt was 2003, four, a few years after. And then the last 10 years, YouTube, I remember, I think I saw a funny video on YouTube or something. It was 2010. So the last 10 years, that's not a long time. The next 10 years, I think things really are gonna start to explode because the technology bandwidth is able to explore it. I saw the stat, I don't know if it's true, it sounds crazy. I think 40% or a little bit higher of that is still not on the internet. That's why Elon Musk's, I think, uh, wireless system, I think it's called Link or something, I forgot what it's called. The internet, the satellite internet system will get the rest of the world online. Half the world is not online, so we're still pretty much at the beginning of, okay, and that's supposed to get people online in two year, two, three years. I would say when the whole world is online, you need a few years for them to get their iPhones catch up, and then we're really starting to get mass adoption. So we got ways to go, just my opinion. One thing that was telling for me is, I think with young children, they do that questionnaire of, what do you wanna be when you grow up? And I think you and I are both used to certain answers on that, where I want to be a firefighter or I want to be a police officer. Today, the number one response is I want to be an influencer, which is shocking for, but just they see it. They see the impact and they get it. And they're like, oh, I could do that. That sounds like fun. And these people are entertaining me. So there's, yeah, it's just with your company being analogy to Netflix. I mean, that's what's happening on YouTube and other places. People are just watching. People in Generation Z are not sitting around watching television. They're on their phones, engaged in YouTube and other channels, and just consuming data at a, at a different cadence, I think, than a lot of us expect it to be. So it's going to grow. Tactic-wise or platform-wise, what do you see changing in a couple of years? Because it just keeps, like, we're on YouTube, TikTok, and then now there are a few people, creators pissed on TikTok, so they're talking about going to Triller. Every two months, we hear of a different platform. Do you expect any movement on, I don't know, just, like, the tactics or the platforms? next couple years? Well, I think, like you said, a lot of platforms or platforms continuously as people flock to them will become more saturated. That's a fact. And you also want to own your platform is what I would say is you want to eventually have access to that customer information. You don't want to just have a subscriber number on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. They can shut you down at any time, get demonetized. That happens all the time, which is what you're saying. That's why a lot of the creators that happens. So I think 
what will I say in the future? I think things will expand. You got to own your audience. You got to be on your own platform. Having an audience is a good thing. You want those followers. You want to build an audience. You definitely want to build an email list and you want to keep innovating and looking for niches. More and more opportunity will come online. We're just expanding. In a thousand percent agreement on owned audience and the importance of getting emails, like SMS is also really coming up here. Like, how are you seeing those creators doing it? Where like, when you have these followers and you know that you don't own it, you got to get them. So how are these people doing it? How are they getting those people to sign up for email or SMS? Are they spamming them? Are they being nice about it? Are they being sly? Like, what, yeah. what do you see? Well, there's a lot of ways to collect email addresses, CTAs, funnels, opt-ins. And then the way you basically build an audience is to create good content that has some value to that viewer, whether it's entertainment, educational content. So create good content. Hopefully it's some type of niche because that's where the opportunity is. And then you want to eventually have a CTA to be able to collect an email, give a PDF away, an ebook, a free video to collect an email. There's different ways to then collect CTAs in order to really kind of create that opportunity for like, would you say, right. So CTA, like the call to action, would you say it, is it more persistence or is it more wit the way that people are collecting emails? No, I would say it's what you're offering, the value that you're offering. You're not spamming for the emails. You're offering a value in order to collect an email. Right. For the store version of that is could be a discount or exclusive access. Excellent. Excellent. So wrapping things up, we'll take it on a different track. Talk a little bit about music. Uh, I think you might've answered this. I think I might know your answer on this, but on a lighter, right? We ask all of our guests, what is one of your favorite songs of all time? And I think these days for me, and I think for all of our listeners too, anyone has a few minutes to check out a great song. And I think if for every person, like if it's one of your favorites, then it's, then it's worth it to check out. So what would you say is one of your favorite songs of all time? You th the one you think that everyone should just give a listen because it would make their day a little better. I have to think about that. But let me say, I do really like initially just being young, listening to Michael Jackson. I'd have to go with a Michael Jackson song, like either Thriller or Billie Jean. I'd have to go to one of those as a default. Yeah, you can't go wrong with that. He was so marauded by the media for good reasons and not that we almost didn't see his best before he passed away. Cause now you have this song catalog and I actually watched the whiz again. That's right. It's good. Yeah. And even artists like the weekend, yeah, the weekends has three different modes. And one of those modes is Michael Jackson impersonator. Like that song. I can't feel my face. Sounds just like Michael Jackson. Billy Jean. It's a very cool song. It also, it's such a good song that even the covers of that song are good. Like, have you ever heard a cover of Billy Jean? Chris Cornell did one. No, I'll check into that. Sounds interesting. Okay, I'll, I'll pass it along to you. That's what shows you what a great song is when like other people can do it and embellish it. It sounds awesome. Excellent pick, excellent pick, my friend. So wrapping up, if if people like what you're saying and want to hear more about Uscreen, how can they learn more about it? Absolutely. Yeah, you can check me out on LinkedIn, PJ Tai, and our website is Uscreen.tv. Excellent. Put that all in the show notes. Hi, this is Steven. This episode is sponsored by Needle Movement. And Needle Movement is on a mission to make digital marketing fun. So <laughs> what does that even mean? 
In e-commerce, marketing is fun. Marketing is a blast when your sales are strong, right? We've been there. It's a great feeling. Like when you've already hit your monthly revenue target and there's still a week left to go on the calendar, then you're just piling on more sales. This year, Needle Movement just celebrated with a client that has a streak of 14 straight months of revenue growth and counting. And for Black Friday, Cyber Monday, 2020, multiple Needle Movement clients had their all-time high, their best month in sales ever. That's the fun we're talking about. But it took a lot of hard work. It didn't happen overnight. It always takes months to get there, but we did it through conversation marketing. Needle Movement provides done-with-you SMS, chatbot, and email marketing services for emerging e-commerce brands. And in e-commerce, there is a science behind successful product drops, abandonment campaigns, even running a flash sale. And that is a sweet spot for conversation marketing. And you may have heard some of this before. You're thinking, sounds good, but we're so busy and who's got the time to do all this? And that's where we come in because I'm sure a lot of companies would like to launch SMS or build a messenger bot or have more email automations that generate repeat revenue. But teams are spread pretty thin these days because you got all these other initiatives going on at the same time. And that's our specialty. We help brands to either launch or get much better at conversation marketing channels. Contact us and schedule a free 30-minute call and we'll talk through the additional possible revenue for your brand with these initiatives that we can set up. Go to needlemovement.com, click on the Let's Talk link at the top, and you're in. There are only a couple of slots available for early 2021. So that's all for now. And last but not least, tune in next week for a new episode of the Needle Movement Podcast. Thank you for listening.